Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes, I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Ready music. When did you first sense that something was wrong? Brooke Shields' real-life nightmare. You didn't want to pick up the baby. You didn't want to go near the baby. I was terrified to be alone with her. The chilling secret she hasn't shared until now. I would have visions. I would see her body hit, slump, and drop. Brooke Shields, an exclusive. Your fans might be shocked by what you're about to reveal. Next. This is Brooke Shields with brand new baby daughter, Rowan, the perfect portrait of a blissful new Hollywood mother. Or so we thought. Behind closed doors, Brooke was unraveling in the midst of a nightmare that few people knew that America's sweetheart had descended into a downward spiral of misery and despair, a depression so strong, she says she even considered taking her own life. Yes, Brooke Shields is here today talking for the first time about her mental collapse, it was, the disturbing voices that she heard in her head, and how she managed to survive the darkest period of her life. Please welcome Brooke Shields. (laughs) 
like the queen. You're not allowed to no, do anything no, until no, the no, queen no, does that's it. That's not true at all. <laughs> um, just every woman, but wearing better shoes. Okay. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Brooke has written a book called Down Came the Rain, which I love that title. It's from the Itsy Bitsy I know. Spider. I know. <laughs> We all know that song, right? It's a bit, it's a bit. Down Came the Rain, so I loved it. Called Down Came the Rain, My Journey Through Postpartum Depression. And this is so fascinating. I read the book last night. Read the book last night. Do you understand how your fans might be shocked by what you're about to reveal today? And are you scared about that? I do understand. And I think one of the worries that I did have was that in some way I had lied to them. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about what I experienced was I was so busy lying to myself uh -huh. about the image. I think if you've been in the public eye a long time, it's... And you have been all your life. And my life has been charted. I mean, my orthodontist appointments were known. My, I mean, it's a very bizarre upbringing yeah. in a certain way. And then to have an experience that is so far from perfect, so far from the ideal image and such the antithesis of what I had even grown to believe would be the case. Mm -hmm. It was such a shock to me that all I knew is when I walked out of the hospital that I didn't want to look the way I felt. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, there was this, this pressure that I put on myself and it's also a pressure that I didn't want people to, to know what I was really feeling mm -hmm. because it frightened me and, and I was then letting them down as well. In your case though, we're, you're not just talking about what we've heard called the typical baby blues. We're talking about serious mental trauma, right? Exactly, and I think it's the, the misnomer and there is such a thing as the baby blues, but I think this type of a, a reaction is so discredited and it's so often sort of foo-fooed and they say, oh, you'll get over it, oh, it's yeah. just hormonal mm -hmm. or it's just the baby blues, come on, you know? And this gripped my heart to such an extent that I didn't even have the desire to, to try to overcome it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was flattened by it. I was devastated by it. And it wasn't the baby blues. And I was told it was the baby blues at first. Mm -hmm. And so then what was wrong with me was even worse. I thought, well, then I must be, I must epitomize failure. If I can't even get past this. Yeah. And I can see how it would be compounded because you've lived this sort of perfect life or what appeared to be the perfect life. I think that when you've, when you've got images of you mm -hmm. all the time. Since you as, were a baby. Since I was a baby. And, you know, we joke about the two hours to get ready and the team yeah. of people. Well, yeah, you, two hours to look natural. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> That's what I but I think that, you know, that idea of perfection. And then we also have this image of motherhood, you know. Yeah. The, the breastfeeding and the hair cascading down and the connection with the infant yeah. instantly. You and, had, you and Chris, had tried hard to conceive, right? So that made it all the more compounded. I went through many different IVF treatments to finally then get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that even set the stakes higher. You know, why wasn't I happy? I got what I wanted. Mm -hmm. I got the prize. So first I, you'd been through the miscarriage. Tell us about that. The miscarriage was one of the most bizarre events, obviously, and devastating because the way structure of my body without going into too much But you go into detail. real big detail in I the book. I do in the book. <laughs> you gotta buy the book. I know, know exactly how your uterus is. Yeah. <laughs> how your uterus lays and the later uterus is on top and they took it out and yeah, put it back put in. Yeah, they put it on the table and put, they put it, it on back the table. in. Yeah. And, but I actually was in one of these very... I thought I got to know you real well I in know. one evening. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, when I lost the baby, I was not, it was something that I had to wait to have happen because what, you know, you sort of, you go in and you get your numbers and they go up and, and it's to prove that the, the fetus is alive. And, and all of a sudden I get this call and I'm just about to go on stage. And I'm going on stage dressed like Miss Piggy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I'm going on stage dressed like Miss Piggy with the purple gloves. And I get a call on my cell phone, and it is the doctor saying, I'm sorry, but the fetus is no longer viable. And this was what month were you in? I was in my third month. Mm -hmm. And you know, you get the names in the room, and the, you know, yeah. I mean, you've told everybody in your life. And then the doctor says, I have to wait for my body to naturally expel it. But I was waiting to lose this little fetus. Fetus, this little person that I, you know, I, so I already sort of was talking to. In your book, you write that you had been moaning and uh, wringing the bed sheets in pain and lost a great deal of blood. That is after you'd gone in for a shot to expel the fetus. I had a, um, yeah. I got a shot of this medicine that, that helps expel a fetus. And um, they said if after a week goes by, it doesn't happen, you have to come in and get another shot. So it was the week had gone by and nothing had happened. Mm. And it was the night before going in and getting another shot. And I went out and was just doing some shopping and all of a sudden I started sweating and I started getting very sharp pains and the woman in the store was like, oh, maybe you're pregnant. And I just thought it was so, it was the, I mean, I couldn't believe it was, it was a surreal situation. And for the next about nine hours, it was just unbearable and I could do nothing but wait for this to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, my dog was like by the bed and, you know, Why didn't you go to the hospital? That's what I didn't understand. You know, there was, I called my doctor and there was nothing that they were going to be able to do. And to be honest, I didn't want to go out in public and with, I thought it's going to be on the paper the next day. Somebody will leak it, they'll get me and it'll be a huge drama when the truth of the matter was in nature, my body had to deal with it. It mm -hmm. had to get it over with. And I took pain medicine. I mean, they would have just given me morphine and that probably would have been a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I could use a little now, but, um, so did you, did you then start in vitro immediately after again? I had to wait another month. I had to sort of wait for a full cycle to make sure that I, that my cycles were all sort of back in order. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to mourn it, but I also didn't want to waste any time. Mm -hmm. And I had this tunnel vision with regards to getting pregnant, getting pregnant, have a baby, have a baby, have a baby. And it became this sort of maniacal focus that having lost that baby, that was the one thing that was a glimmer of hope because I knew I could get pregnant. I could conceive, yeah. And each time you have to wait within the cycles, you have to wait till your body sort of readjusts. So it and was it's two shots, years. right? You're giving yourself shots? Shots two times a day in the stomach or in the buttocks. That was the one my husband liked giving me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, don't you need another shot? Huh? Um, <laughs> And, uh, and it's this sort of really, it's a strange, really demoralizing, embarrassing thing. When you're getting in vitro, do you feel anything? You feel a little cuckoo. I mean, you do get a little, like your hormones start because you've got surges of estrogen. And then, or they'll give you, or they'll put you in a sort of a premature menopause. Mm -hmm. So where they knock you completely to sort of this, where no hormones are being, are sort of being produced, but that they can introduce them at the right levels. Did you ever think about giving up? No. No? You know, I didn't let myself because I, I thought, God, if it, if it happened once, it can happen again. And I just didn't look back. I didn't look to the sides. I just kept, 
It was, what, what can I do now? What can I do now? If that's not going to work, what can I do? What can so I do? So did you have, after you conceived, did you have an easy pregnancy with Rowan? I had the greatest pregnancy, which was really another thing that was a shocker because I didn't have any, I mean, I had swollen sort of, you know, Flintstone feet and yeah. hands, but I felt good. I actually felt strong. I felt and good. there you were I on did. the cover of Vogue. There you oh, were with so your belly all out and everything. Yeah, and it yeah. was, you know, that sort of mother, earth mother. I had this image, and I even perpetuated the image. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little you know, secret, I had to puff my tummy out just a little bit extra because I was only in, like, the fourth month, and they had uh, a lead time. You know, I was even perpetuating the image myself. I was going to be the natural mother. I was going to be able to just bond with this child that was meant to be. Mm -hmm. I made the stakes so high in my own mind and thought that everything would come into focus in my life. Every area that was void or empty would be filled. Every, you know, everything that I had ever sort of my insecurities would go away. It was the pressure that I even put on this child yeah. mentally even myself. Even before she was born. Even before she was born. Summer. The best time of year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. So, beautiful pregnancy. Easy. I um, didn't have morning sickness. Mm -hmm. Was fine. Mm -hmm. um, was able to do yoga, and you know everything was picture perfect. I, I mean, it was perfect. of course, and 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 it just it was what I always thought it would be. You know. Tell us about your labor. Ah, uh, it was twenty four hours, mm -hmm. and <laughs> and I think. Interestingly enough, the doctor himself was so, he desired so much for my dream to come true. You have the baby, the baby gets placed on your chest, you cry, tears, you hold your infant, still with the, the umbilical cord, the whole thing. I mean, I had dreamt about this day. So I go into, well, actually, they induced me. Uh -huh. My water did break, but then I didn't go into any type of a labor for a really long time, and so they induced me. 24 hours later, it became an emergency C-section. Mm. And the cord was wrapped around her neck and body and leg. Three times. Three times. Mm -hmm. So had I pushed, she could have died. So in, in this odd, you know, you try to find all the reasons for things. You know, as your dream is slipping farther and farther away, you know, you, you try to find reasons why it's okay. And, and I thought, okay, a C-section. They happen all the time. This is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was my uterus during the 24 hours of labor had herniated. So they literally took it out and put it on this tray and they, with force like I have never imagined in my life. And I see people like, I say it's like pile driving, you know, wrestlers sort of pile mm -hmm. driving into my stomach because you just see them over the curtain and they're using all their weight and get her out and she gets taken away. I don't even, I don't see her at, at first and my I didn't stop bleeding. Mm -hmm. And so the baby got taken away, given to her father, and the doctor sort of comes around to me and says, we may have to do a hysterectomy. And I'm thinking, you can't take my uterus away from me now, you know? And he said, well, I want to watch you for, you know, 24 hours and see if you will stop bleeding. And, you know, he, thank God, he put all the pieces back in the places where they needed to be. and. 
sewed me up and, and eventually my uterus did stop bleeding and he did not have to do an emergency hysterectomy. But in the book you describe her C-section as like being gutted like a fish, a fish. on on a crucifix? Well, it is just like that. Yeah. Okay, it's really not pretty. And the thing is, they cut your flesh, and of course I start smelling something thinking it's an electrical, something was wrong, and I'm thinking, oh, the lights are gonna go out and everything's gonna, I'm gonna die. And, and I said, what's that smell? And my husband said, oh, the nurse is making toast. And for like a moment, a lapse of sort of insanity, I was like, well, okay, I mean, the, you know, the kitchen's not too far. <laughs> and then I, I like, because he was trying to get me off the seared flesh, mm -hmm. and at which point I realized they were cauterizing the, the cut. Of, mm -hmm. So they basically cut, cut into you, and in order to get her out, and because of my uterus, they actually took my uterus out and put it on the tray. So my husband knows me now even more intimately than I think he <laughs> ever wanted to when he said I do. Okay. On page 47. Yep, this is page 47. You write that he was holding our little girl. Chris looked optimistic and peaceful. Well, wasn't he lucky? I was bleeding buckets and he was holding on tightly to a perfect frowning angel baby. I stared at this glowing father-child image and was bombarded with feelings of jealousy, fear, and rage. In one instant, I looked at him and I thought, well, fine. I've done all of this. I'm sitting here with nothing that I came in attached to me any longer. Mm -hmm. People are all around. This baby gets born and she's fine. She's in his arms and he's having a moment. You know, he's having this glorious The moment, moment. you'd wanted, yeah. The moment I wanted that I feel like I deserved and earned and uh -huh. had worked so hard for. And uh -huh. he just got to come in and it all got directed to that. And I thought I was jealous of his association with her. I was so angry that he was happy and everybody else was happy and I was possibly, I thought I was going to die because I kept losing so much blood that they were gonna do a transfusion. And in one split second, my world had turned completely upside down and I didn't wanna be happy for him and the baby. Really? In I, that in and that, that was one, like immediately after she was, was born? Because I was so scared. And all of a sudden, everybody was so separate from me. I was completely pulled away. What were away. your doctors saying? Were they saying you were going to be okay, or were they saying you they have a problem? They were very quiet, uh. and they were really focused on the uterus. Mm -hmm. And they were manipulating it, and I guess they had to try to massage it back, it's mm -hmm. muscle, and try to get it back, and, they, and it wasn't working. They brought in another doctor. So when the other doctor came in, that's it got, never good. That's not good. No. no. And it got quiet and it yeah. got hot. And that's not good either. No. And it and they were like the baby was their least of their worries. They mm -hmm. were really focusing on stopping the blood mm -hmm. and getting me so that I could. And I started to feel faint, and so it. I didn't. When did wanna, you first sense that something was wrong? I, I don't think I knew anything. I just. They took the baby away, and mm -hmm. I said to my husband, go with the baby, because I wanted him with his eyes on her, at least, you mm -hmm. know. And the doctor came and sat down next to my head and said, okay, here's what's happening. And, you know, the minute, I, all I could think of was, am I going to die, am I going to die, am I going to die? Mm -hmm. I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And then I was going to die because of her. Had she not done this to me, mm -hmm. had she not, then I would be fine. Mm -hmm. Why did I play God? Why did I do IVF? I should have learned that I was not supposed to have this baby. Mm. So and you started that thinking that immediately. Whole, those tapes started going in my head. And you say in your book that the day Ron was born, you didn't recognize her. You felt like a stranger, that you had no connection. So you didn't have that 
Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Okay. These paparazzi photos were taken of Brooke and baby Rowan in front of the hospital the day they left, and you're smiling and nice sunglasses. Uh, uh, your hair I, uh, is all blown out and everything. I got my... Oh, what yeah. were you feeling there? What were you feeling? I wanted to get my shoes off my feet. I wanted to get in the car, shut the door, and I thought, please, dear God, make them not see that I'm so terrified and so sorry that I'm in this position. I was not... I just, sorry that you were in the position of being a mother? Of being a mother. Mm. I did not want to be a mother at that moment at all. Mm -hmm. I got my hair blown out. I got makeup on. I... You so looked I've, like the picture. I've, I took yeah. the pic I took the you scarf took and the wrapped in the bed. I didn't even have a blanket. I wrapped the baby in the scarf and I got the pearls. I mean, I did everything to create the picture that I, I needed to create to mm -hmm. get out 
of sight. Okay, but once Brooke was home, her feelings continued to darken and she found herself completely unable to bond with her baby Rowan. Brooke uh, writes that she lacked the desire even to hold her and wasn't sure she wanted Rowan even living in the house. So when you first started to feel that, when you got home? It was, a, it was the day I got home. You got home, yeah. I got home and she had this little brace, unfortunately, that she had to wear to keep her hips in their sockets properly. And I went to bed and I mean, I was, I, with, with 24 hours of the, with the drugs that were put inside me and the, what it, the inducing drugs and the, all the pain, everything, I looked like the Michelin woman. I mean, my knees were two knees for one. I mean, it was huge and I couldn't move, maneuver. And she started crying and I remember thinking, wow, <laughs> she's crying. Guess babies do that, you know, there she is crying. I wonder what she wants, you know. It was as if I couldn't feel her need for me at all. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go over to her. But I thought, well, I guess I have to. So I kind of waddled over. And in the interim, Chris had gone over and started to sort of see what you want, check her diaper and, and whatever. And I remember standing in the corner thinking, I don't really want to, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I got I to gotta go. I, she can't live here. We got to start over. It was so rational and that it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't even the tears that came, they, they came out. Yeah, because you talk a lot about crying and crying hysterically. Did you start to cry then? I started to well up and it wasn't until I got back to, Chris said, go back to bed, you know, get, try to get off your feet and I'll, t I'll take care of her, she's okay. And he went from being really hesitant to hold the child to super dad, like he, had the kid, could pack, you know, diaper her, be on the phone, do whatever. I mean, he really had to turn it, turn it around, and he became mom in that instant. And I just felt lead, like lead. I had no desire to try to even pretend to care about her. And it absolutely terrified me. I mean, I thought, what's wrong with me? Who am I? What a vile person I must be to not even love her own child. Why can't I pick the baby up? Why don't I want to look at her? The smell of, and not poopy diapers, because it didn't even smell at that point. It was only five-day-old baby poop, which was different than older poop. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, the, you know, you obsess over the color. I never knew five-day poop didn't it smell. Did, you know what? I never now knew you that. Do. Um, <laughs> I learned something um, today. And I, I, I remember the powder from the diapers. I smelled it and it made my knees weak and I thought I was gonna pass out. It was as if instantly I was back in the hospital and this trauma, it was a, a, this trauma had happened but it didn't seem real to me. It was as if it was in some other room, in some other house mm. that I wasn't in. So, so you're disassociating. After years of wanting and wanting a baby, Brooke's reaction to her brand new daughter stuns her husband and her closest friends. You expect this happy moment of joyful hugging and coming home and stuff like that, and it's just a little bit quieter, much more intense, and, and you know, just it's, things are just not quite right. I noticed that she had a hard time physically being with Rowan. She just seemed frenzied and completely ungrounded. The doctors call it baby blues, and it's just such a nice little, fun little term for not feeling good that you think is going to go after go away after a rainy weekend but it's not the baby blues there's something deeper and bigger than that there was a night when she had called me 
um, on her way home from an, an event and she told me that she wanted to drive her car into a wall. And I believed her. Tell us about that moment in the car that your friend describes. I had this uncontrollable, I mean, it was, it was this urge to, to put my foot so far on the pedal in traffic, or I saw the wall, there's this wall on the freeway that's just sort of brick. And I thought, if I can just, there was rage, and I just wanted to smash my head through the windshield. I wanted, I wanted to split myself up. It was such self-hatred, and ironically, the baby was in the back seat. The baby was fine, and she wasn't even crying. And I thought, God, you again, and now you're stopping me from doing what I want to do. I want to ram my car through the wall, and because of you, I can't. Because you never thought of hurting the baby. No, and that is, I am so oh, thankful that, that I didn't have the desire to hurt her, but I certainly didn't have the desire to help her either. I had the desire to hurt myself. At this point, you didn't want to pick up the baby. You didn't want to go near the baby. You didn't want to have anything to do with and, your baby. And yet, I still breastfed because so I, they would bring the baby to me, mm -hmm. and I would sort of sit there and kind of put my arms Yeah, you said out. you were like a zombie. Exactly. OK. Now tell me about, there's a point in, in the book, Down Came the Rain, where you write about, I think Chris had gone out to a store. He'd gone to get something. He went to get a um, changing table, and he came back much sooner than I thought. And he sat down, and he just burst into tears. He was broken. And he said, what is wrong with you? You don't sing to the baby. You don't smile at the baby. You don't even look at the baby. He said, I was in this store, and there were women who were happy to hold their children. You know, people are walking through the store, and they are happy, and there's pregnant women, and they were smiling, and they were cooing and kissing their babies, and he just couldn't handle seeing them and knowing what he had waiting for him at home. And what did you say? I just couldn't, couldn't give him anything. I just said, I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't even try to make him feel better. You didn't think then at that point, because you're an educated woman, you didn't think I must be going through postpartum depression. I kept thinking it was just maybe a more intense version of this thing called the baby blues. Uh -huh. I didn't, postpartum depression to me was the, was the crazy people that drown their kids. Mm -hmm. It's the people that drive the cars off to the, in the lakes. And it's the people that stab their children. It's like, We've come in the society to learn that it is a, it, now I know it's a form of postpartum psychosis, which is yeah. at the far end of the spectrum of the yeah. baby blues. But well, there's a whole range. Me. There's a whole range. Exactly. Okay. In and your book, you said that you were hit with a wave of self-defeat and self-loathing and had an urge at times to smash your head against the wall repeatedly. I wanted to hurt myself. I wanted to obliterate myself. But the weird thing about that is that even sounds dramatic and violent. But the way I was processing it was I would look out the window and I'd think, great, I can just jump out the window. And then I thought, you're only on the fourth floor, you idiot. You're not even going to do anything but hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And that made me mad. Like mm -hmm. it was, it, it spiraled into this, this irrational place of thinking. And, I, and then I would have visions of her this little body hitting the wall and sliding down. Mm -hmm. I wasn't the one throwing her, but I saw it. It was like an action movie where I would look this way and she would be smashing against the wall and sliding down. And I would look this way and she would be 
These were visions you were visions. having. Visions, like she would be choking, like, you, you cannot feed them and they'll just go away. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me to not continue feeding her because I, was, I didn't even have the urge to, to sort of fight anything. Yeah, I have to tell you, I think you're really brave for saying this. Really brave. <laughs> you know why? Just sitting here, and I really do think you're gonna help a lot of women, because just sitting here, I'm thinking there are lots of women at home who have felt this, are feeling it right now, but there's such shame attached to the whole idea of not being this perfect, oh. Or even just how about doing the thing that's been being done for yeah. a few years now? Yeah, yeah. for You know, yeah. people becoming moms? Yeah. Like since the beginning of time. Exactly. And so you think you failed at that, then what a loser. Are you? And the thing yeah. that I find and is the most, one of the most important parts about this is that even if it's the shortest amount of time of this, of anything less, anything greater than, you know, just a little PMS feeling, you, you can get past this. And there's, I mean, and it does happen, but not without damage. There is damage that a toll gets taken. And even if the toll is just your self-respect, mm -hmm or the trust of your spouse or the trust of a partner or whoever, I will have a bad day and my husband will instantly look at me like, oh, is it coming back? Uh. And you just think, oh, oh, I've got to prove myself. When am I going to gain the trust again? Yeah. And don't think I don't think it. Yeah. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. We're back with Brookfield. Looking back, how much of Roy's early days did you miss? It's hard to say what you miss because I think just as a mom, they grow so fast and so much happens and you try so hard to be present that I, I, I documented everything, which is really interesting to me because I it took pictures constantly. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that I needed to have evidence of her because I was afraid that I was out of touch, but I, I blatantly said, like, hey, I'm not really into having her even live here. And it was... You said that to who? I said it to my husband. I said it to my friends. And, you know, at first people were like, oh, come on. You know, you always have her attached to you when you're at the dog park. And, and you guys are too, you know. And I thought, no, I need to scream about this somehow. I need, to, I need to keep bringing the attention to myself because I don't want to disappear. And I really did also think, if I just walk out the door, I could get probably three days before I'm recognized. Like, I could get pretty far away in three days. And it's, it's a rational thought. So how long did this go on? And I started taking medicine around four weeks, when she was about a month old. Uh -huh. You know, that's a whole other series of trying to find the right medicine to deal with your body chemistry. and one. Because you went you, to your doctor. When I went to him first, he said, listen, you'll get over it. Every new mother is scared. And then... I think he started to analyze the way that I was talking and he started phoning me and he called me one day and he said, you know, it, it, this sounds more acute and you don't, you sound so far from the woman that I've grown to know and how I approach things. He said, I, I want you to consider taking medicine. And I said, absolutely not. 
I don't need a pill to make me feel better. This is crazy. I'm gonna probably no, I'm as because I'm gonna go back to Hollywood and I'm gonna take antidepressants and and that you know. And I was really insulted and I was very embarrassed. And I thought absolutely not. And my husband said, please, there's nothing wrong with it. Just try. I mean. You know, if you have a headache, you take medicine, you take a aspirin or something. If you have this, he said, please just give it a try. And I consented to try it for like, and then he said three weeks it's going to take to work. I thought three weeks is like hell if I have to live with her for three more weeks. I mean, I was just, I thought if I have to feel this way and this disconnected and then this guilty and then hate myself even more, I really didn't think I was going to be able to make it. And, you know, the beauty of medicine is that you, it does, make you feel better and it's sort of seeming, it's sort of seamless. And I slowly started to feel better at which point I then decided, well, I don't need the medicine anymore. So I stopped taking it cold turkey, which is really bright. You would, you would not have ever thought that I got an education anywhere. <laughs> and I, I, which threw me into such a tailspin that it was after that that I called my friend Stephanie and really needed to, wanted to, to smash the car into the wall. So you'd been on medication, then you came off of medication and you were... Because I, I last time I checked, I was felt, a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. So you came off of it, and you were worse than ever. Worse than ever. And I called my then gynecologist, and, I, and she said, who told you to do that? And I said, I did. And she, she said, all right, you can go off of it, but with supervision, we can decide, but why don't we just try this as a trial period? And I consented to go back on medicine. And very slowly, within a few weeks, I started to notice that I desired to be around her a little bit more. And I, I started to sort of not read and multitask and try to be on the phone while breastfeeding. Like, I would breastfeed, but I would also do something in my books, or I would call friends, or I'd try to write a thank you note. I, I would try to sort of multitask to within this psychotic to place to, to disconnect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I then started being quiet, going to a special chair, and just sitting with her and seeing if I could just sit quietly with her. And, you know, she started to look up at me, and then I would, I would be like, oh, who are you looking at, you know? I mean, it was, it was unsettling. And then I started to like her a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And it was this, she sort of grew on me, but my frame of mind was getting healthier as I also simultaneously started going to a therapist. Someone who did have knowledge with women that had gone through IVF and, and were had trouble conceiving or postpartum. Are you, on, are you on medication now? I'm weaning off of the medication that I'm on because I want to have another baby. You want to have another baby. <laughs> Which is just... What is your message to mothers about this? Pay attention to the feelings that you're feeling and talk about it and ask your doctor prior. Try to look and see if there are any precipitating events in your life that may contribute to being depressed. Find out what medicine's available. You don't have to be miserable. So you the question everybody wants to know, you bonded, obviously, <laughs> with your daughter. I did. And, and what's unbelievable to me is you know, now I can smell her breath and my mouth waters. I mean, it's as if, it's as if this entirely... Clapping for you already? Okay. <laughs> what, she's gonna do a, a dip. <laughs> she loves doing the dip. <laughs> I, I hope that she learns from this eventually. I'm a bit 
scared and a bit afraid that when she reads certain parts, she's going to say, I can't believe you didn't love me. And the interesting thing is, it had nothing to do with her. Mm -hmm. it, had, it, it has nothing to do with your love for them or not. Mm -hmm. It is something that is so in your body. The loss of estrogen, the amount of hormones, the, the life change. And it is very real. And it, it, you don't have to soldier through it. Feel prepared to have another baby? I feel m so much more so because I know I will have a C-section, and I will I will not labor for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I know that there is there are certain medication that can help me regulate my hormones within the third trimester that's safe for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I will be ready to at least have my head in order, mm -hmm. so that the rest of me can follow suit and I can enjoy. I mean, now I can't stand moments away from my daughter, and I'm. So thankful that that's how that you can come through this with help. I don't believe you can truly get through this without getting help and doing and there's no point in doing it alone because damage does get done. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling your story. As I said earlier, I know you're going to free a lot of other women who are watching you right now and going, oh my God, that's what I have. That's what it is. Yes. So thank you. Brooke Shields book is called down came the rain. Thank you, Brooke Shields. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>